holy shit, I'm in a talkative mood. Back in the car, back in the motorway. And I was just running through my head about what I had said in the, the previous podcast about anxiety because I remember it like it's only it's only within the last two or three years I think maybe slightly longer that I actually realised what anxiety was and kind of looking back over my last recording I hope my kind of description of anxiety or should I say file arms and hog file arms and hogs description of anxiety laid bare in their anxiety game or their anxious game or whatever the fuck it was called uh, I think that's a great example because people have asked me over the years this is all kind of coming back to me people have asked me what is anxiety I've often heard people say I'm not sure what anxiety is because if you don't suffer from it you don't you know it's, it's kind of hard to know anything about something that you don't know anything about if that makes sense but what I think will surprise a lot of people is when they hear anxiety explained in terms that they understand they get a oh that's what anxiety is right I know that feeling because they think if you took a course in anxiety or if you went to school or college and learned about anxiety you'd be told that it's I'm not sure what you'd be told but I would imagine you'd be told that it's you know an an unsettled feeling an uneasy feeling you know, maybe a guilty feeling, even though you have nothing to feel guilty about. It, it's kind of hard to define, I think. At least I struggle. Maybe there is. Maybe if you look up the definition of anxiety in, the, in a, a dictionary, it would be laid bare and you understand perfectly what it was. I doubt it somehow, but... I think when you explain it in real-life terms, like what I ended up doing kind of by accident... I described it as, you know when you're driving along and you see flashing blue lights and you go, fuck, you know, they got me for speeding or for whatever it is that you may or may not be doing. That general uneasy feeling of having flashing blue lights in your rearview mirror, that that sickly feeling, that's anxiety. And again, the other example that I gave was in airport security. When you feel like you've got a kilo of cocaine on you going through security, like you're sweating and you're nervous, even though you're not doing anything wrong. You're, you're, you've every right in the world to be there. As much as the person on the other side of the scanner, you've every right and every reason to be there. You've no reason in the world to feel anxious about anything, but there it is, for whatever reason, you feel that. That sickly, uneasy feeling, that's anxiety. And I think school does a poor job at explaining everything, really. You're, you're, you're taught things in a way that it's accurate, but it's not told in, in, in stories. And I think, I think that's what biblical stories originally were. They were to get across things that were kind of hard to explain very easily so anxiety is is a hard thing to explain it's a hard thing to define and a hard thing to explain to somebody who doesn't know what it is what exactly it is but if you give the story of you know those those scenarios that are laid out another one might be you've parked in a multi-story car park and you've done your bit of shopping, you've come back, you're in the car, you're going down the ramp to get out, there's a load of cars in front of you, a load of cars behind you, and you go, fuck, where's me fucking tickets, 
fuck! That's anxiety. <laughs> oh, it's there in my head. Very. <laughs> right. I mean, there's a, the difference between anxiety and. Let's say the difference between an anxiety. And, sorry, let me start again. So that's anxiety. Let's I think I've outlaid enough what anxiety is. You might have heard of people suffering an anxiety attack. Now, the flashing blue lights and the security and the where's me ticket, or let's say if you're at another one, would be at a concert. You've been queuing for the last hour to get in, you get to the door, and it's like, oh, where's me ticket? And I've fucking lost me own thread of thought. Just like that. <sighs> Sigh. See, this is when you need a second person to go, Fran, you fucking dumb fuck you were talking about anxiety attacks there we go so what an anxiety attack is is when that's it's just that amplified it's, it's that anxious feeling but amplified and often for no fucking good reason I had an anxiety attack sitting on the couch the other evening with herself she was watching one of her soaps and I was just uh, making some notes uh, work related stuff I was kind of running the figures and uh, I've upped production significantly recently and I was trying to get a grip of my cost of goods sold and I came up with a figure and I kind of, I got this realisation that increasing production had increased my costs to such a degree that I was actually losing money and the fucking walls caved in on me a little and I had an anxiety attack sitting beside her and uh, to cut a long story short, it turns out that I'd made a miscalculation. I had taken my bi-monthly ESP bill as a monthly ESP bill. So I had doubled my costs. And that had pushed me into a bracket whereby I was no longer profitable. So it, it was a nothing thing. It was basically just a, a clerical error, a, a mistake that I had made. No big deal. But in that moment of sitting there on the couch... I thought that the business that I was running that was now employing people was losing money by design. And I thought that, that was it, that I'd been caught out. I'd been finally found out. It had taken three years, but I finally made a balls of it. Simply wasn't the case, but I had a, an anxiety attack there and then on the couch. My breathing would have been more laboured. I, I couldn't think of anything else. I couldn't think really at all. All I could think of was, ah, disaster, disaster, disaster. Warning, warning, warning. It's fucking horrible. So that's, I suppose, lays out kind of what a, an anxiety attack might be. The difference between that and a panic attack, or a, a difference worth mentioning, not... The, the, this isn't definitive now by any stretch of the imagination, but just to give you an idea of the difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack. If I had a panic attack, herself would have fucking known about it. Because you can't, you can hide an anxiety attack in a way that you can't hide a panic attack. I was in the middle of having a full-blown anxiety attack and she asked me something and I gave her some sort of an answer that was sufficient for her to you know, not probe any further. If I was having a panic attack, I wouldn't have been able to do that. 
not, not that I wouldn't have been able to do it I wouldn't have heard what she said in the fucking first place and even if I did I wouldn't have been able to do any more than mumble a response at best so that's one difference between an anxiety attack and a panic attack I think it, it, it's fair to say at least in my experience that a panic attack is an anxiety attack on steroids so you're not worried about the security guy at the airport possibly finding the kilo of cocaine you don't have he's found it you've been caught you're going to jail your kids are going to go into foster care where they'll probably get abused and that's the difference so it's not a kind of a worrying feeling it's fuck life's over it's it's up ah disaster full-blown fucking disaster and if you can imagine somebody in that actual circumstances let's face it people do get caught going through security with kilos of cocaine on them you can imagine how distraught that person would be the realisation of what they've done the consequences of their actions all the the, the, kind of the the negative thinking and the and the negative positive feedback loop that would be implemented there and the depression and the anxiety and all that good stuff all compounding and compounding and compounding until you're just practically incapable not practically literally incapable of breathing properly you're hyperventilating you're in a full blown panic everything's collapsing around you you can imagine what that must be like for somebody when they get caught and a panic attack for the most part is more or less that experience when you haven't done anything and it can be triggered by any number of things it can be triggered by you know forgetting to carry the one or whatever mistake that I made now on another day of the week or maybe another month of the year when I'm eating right and I'm training and things are going a little bit better and I'm getting, you know, four hours continuous sleep a night. I get to the end of that equation and go, that can't be right. Hang on a second. You go back to the top and go, I'm a dumbass. I, I, overestimated, I overestimated my energy costs. That's where I went wrong. Oh yeah, no, grand. Happy days. I'm still in the black hole as well. But it's, it's when you're on the fumes it's when you're low on energy it's when you haven't been training it's when you're not firing on all cylinders that's when you're at the very least more susceptible to not just full blown anxiety attacks and panic attacks but just regular old everyday anxiety and depression because things have much more of an impact when you're run down so again just thinking out loud a blind stranger walks by on the street and goes, you're fucking useless. Look at the state you. That has a certain impact. But if you were four and your dad said that to you, it's going to have 1,000 times the impact. And the analogy that I'm labouring to make there is, A little thing like you ask your partner something and they go, oh, whatever. 
if you're running on fumes, that could be the equivalent of your dad, you know, saying, you're fucking useless. But if you are, you know, out training every day or every other day and, you know, business is going well and your relationships are going well and you're getting sleep and you're eating and you have plans for the future and all it's gravy. It's the equivalent of the stranger saying it to you. It, just, it means nothing. It doesn't hold the same weight. So the, the same instance would have two entirely different outcomes depending on... You know, your, your, your what? Your, your state of mind, your state of being, your physical and mental fitness or health, all those kind of things. And I think that's, I think that's the utility in analogies. And I think it's why I use them so much. to help me better understand everything really because some things are so complex that you, you, you just you can't understand them you know you you don't have the like how does a how does a helicopter work like where the fuck do you even start with that question do you start talking about you know lift and downforce and aerodynamics and torque and all that jazz or do you simply say that a helicopter is just a big engine with a fan stuck onto it you know the way if, when you turn on a fan and the blades move it blows air well imagine a fan that's powered by an engine that's ten times bigger than the engine in your car Imagine the wind that that would propel. And then you push that on the ground, and what happens? You go flying up. That's how a helicopter works. Okay. You can kind of get that. It kind of makes sense. And that's, that's the beauty of analogies. So I made a, an analogy between an enormous car engine and a fan and a helicopter. And it just kind of works. You don't need a degree in aeronautical engineering to understand. You, you you get it. You get the gist of it. You get the sentiment of it. And this is something that another. It's a, one of those recurring themes that I seem to to have. There's a handful of them. Incremental steps is one. Done beats perfect is another. And I hope they don't become cliched because the thing about cliches is. And of course, typically enough, I can't think of one offhand, but cliches are generally nuggets of wisdom that we rhyme off. But because we just rhyme them off, they don't register as anything. They just register as oh, like a proverb or something. Like proverbs are deep and meaningful and massively beneficial. But if it's, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Like that's that's deep and meaningful, but you've heard it so many times, it just it just doesn't register. You, you you don't get the you don't get the sentiment or the gist of it anymore. It's just it's something that's just kind of familiar. 
and I hate for my own little oh god dare I say words of wisdom but like you know incremental steps and, and that kind of stuff but I don't know what the, the overarching term for those things is but I hope they aren't becoming cliched and I think that there's great utility in revivifying cliches and modernizing old stories so like I'd love to hear again I, I'm, I'm struggling to think about a concrete example here but like the prodigal son that story from the bible I'd love to see that remade it, as that's a as a movie or something or even a story in kind of podcast form or whatever. But put into kind of modern day context. So the son doesn't come home and the father doesn't... Oh, the son does come home. It's part of the story. But the father doesn't slaughter the fatted calf. You know, he fucking transfers 10 grand out of his current account. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, yeah, put it in, in real... In real in real life terms. I remember in school my uh, teacher, he gave a great analogy in relation to learning maths. And he was saying that years previous there was a kid in his class who couldn't add for shit. Like he was in sixth class and he barely had two plus two equals four. But apparently his dad was a milkman and he used to help his dad on his milk rounds. And if you told the kid, you've got two milk bottles and you add two more milk bottles, how many milk bottles do you have? he'd look at you as if you had two heads or if you were stupid or something and say eh, four milk bottles dumbass but you ask him you know if you have two helicopters and you had two more helicopters how many helicopters do you have he'd tell you he couldn't add because it just wasn't in real world terms for him and I think our education system generally doesn't do that it doesn't put things into terms that people can understand and I, I think part of my popularity say I'm not even popularity but I think why people come back for more of what I'm saying is because I'm putting it in terms they can understand in an accent that's familiar with them, familiar to them I don't think if I had an Indian accent for example that I would have the same impact as I've had on a number of Irish people. Conversely, I don't think that my podcast as it stands will ever make much of an impact in India. For the same reason. And I think that's why, typically speaking, in Hollywood, say, the most famous actors don't really have accents. That's something that I've noticed over the years. They don't, they, they have a, it's almost like a generic accent. Like Tom Cruise, or even, I don't know, fucking, I'm actually that out of the loop, I can't, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, they, they might have distinctive voices, but they don't have accents. They have, a, they have an English accent. It's almost like an all-encompassing accent. And I think 
you need that to be kind of universally appealing. Now, the last hunting thing I want to be is universally appealing. I want to, I want to hit home with people. I don't want, I, I'd sooner have 10 people listening to me and getting real benefit from it than 100 million people listening and just, you know, kind of enjoying it. And I think that's, it's fucking gas, like, this is what I've been missing from doing the solos. It's, it's, it's working shit out in, in, in my own head. It, I'm doing it for selfish reasons. I've said that before and I'll say it again. This is for me and if anybody else gets benefit from it, fucking brilliant. But it's just, I, I found it so beneficial and I think that I've really, I've really missed out from, from having these conversations, you know, with myself slash you. Because we all have this internal dialogue, but the problem with it is, is it's overwhelming. We're all, like, people say, God, Franny, you're, you're mad, you, uh, you know, you, you record solo podcasts, like, it, that's such a, it's such a talent, or it's something that I, I wouldn't be able to do myself. And you're like, what are you fucking talking about, man? You can't not do it. You do it 24 hours a fucking day. You, li you literally do it in your sleep. But people do so much of it. It's one of those weird things that you do so much of it that you don't even notice it. It's like breathing. Like you talk to yourself like you breathe. You're never really conscious of it, but you're doing it relentlessly. And some people's conversations in their own heads are better than others. Like the conversation that I'm having with my own head and that you're privy to here now, that's a that this, what I'm having here now is a constructive conversation. And you'll thank me for not uploading the not-so-constructive ones. You'll thank me for not uploading the ones when I think I'm a piece of shit and I'm a terrible dad and herself would be better off without me or maybe the world would be better off without me because I have those thoughts. I've, I've been fucking... I've been down deep and dark enough holes and thankfully kind of come out the other side the better for it to be able to, to recognise really, really, really poisonous thoughts that, that, that come to mind. And, you know, like, like I said before, when you're training and when you're eating right and when your relationships are, are good and, and everything's going well, A, you don't tend to have those kind of toxic thoughts. And B, when you do, they don't last as long, they're not as intense you can recognize them and you can kind of go, Jesus, maybe I need to go for a fucking run or maybe I need to just turn my phone off and watch some funny videos on YouTube for half an hour and just give myself five fucking minutes peace because I'm just overwhelmed with everything that's going on around me. And maybe I just need to take a minute to, to chill the fuck out and not be constantly burning the candle at both ends. But it's very hard to see that when you're in the trenches. And on that somewhat philosophically and waffly note, that's two for one day. I'm not going to ruin it. And I'll catch you soon.